the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. It's hour two, hour dose on tonight's Andrea K. Show. Let's have a little fun, shall we, for hour two? Let's talk some elections. Tonight is primary night in five states. All eyes on Georgia, but some eyes on Texas, too, and not just because of the tragedy that happened down there. Uh, you know, I actually consider this a little good news. Before we get into GA, my man skins, I know you're ready to talk uh, the peach state down there. It's the end of an era in Texas. I think we finally, I think we finally are done with the Bush family down there. George P., right? Isn't that... Uh, um, Prescott. Prescott, right? George Prescott. Isn't he son of uh, just uh, just Jeb? Isn't he just Jeb's son? I believe so. Yes. Um, the best looking Bush, Bush kid, I will tell you. But he was running um, for AG. Yeah, and he lost to uh, Paxton down there and i'm not an expert on texas politics i just think that i think that he had shown himself to be squishy um, because the bush family is in fact that's being kind that to, to even call them squishy is um you know um is oh is giving them credit too much credit in, in towards conservatism the reality is is george w bush is far left and the Bush family, including just Jeb, gave Hillary Clinton some, um, uh, I can't remember what the title of it was, but it was some kind of military or valor or some some kind of award like that, some hero award to her after she left Americans to die in Benghazi, after she denied 400 requests for security. So if you, it, it, so if before then you thought that the Bush family, Jeb and, and W might be, okay, maybe not as conservative as you thought, but not far left. The second that, that the family, you know, started calling um, Bill Clinton, their brother and Hillary, their sister-in-law and gave her some hero award. I think it was like a national hero award or something, kind of like the medal of that, kind of like a medal of honor that a military would get. That did it for me. Oh, yeah. There was a documentary a couple of years back and it showed really how tight the Clintons and Bushes are. Yeah, it's disgusting. And W hugging up to Michelle Obama, these communists, they're. Um, they're, the, the Bush family, I'm glad that their dynasty is dead. Ding dong, the dynasty, the Bush dynasty is dead. Sorry to use that. That was probably not a good, good uh, analogy to use on today's tragic event. So I apologize for that. I'm glad that, the, that that dynasty is gone. I'll just put it that way, that they are done. Um, but there's new people on the scene. Herschel Walker. I was so, okay, and that was, then. you know, the, one of the first pieces of election news I saw that, that rolled in, and I'm so excited. Yeah, he was running for, on the GOP side, in a Senate primary in Georgia. A lot of people went after him, a lot of accusations against him. The Democrats do not want to see a, a, 
um, conservative Republicans that are black. They just don't want to see it. I think I read a report, Breitbart reported recently that there's a hundred African Americans running as Republicans across the country in a variety of different uh, seats from Congress to city councils and beyond. And so that's just fantastic. You know, this country, you know, that's really what everybody should be striving for, right? That, that we be a nation that just is, is colorblind and about, joining together and being united in in this country and what it was founded on, that's progress to me. That should be celebrated by everybody in this country. We shouldn't care what anybody looks like, right? We should be united. There was a time in which, which from a policy standpoint, there was very little daylight between Republicans and Democrats. It was about, okay, what, you know, was really arguing over supply side versus Keynesian economics. Now the difference is between Democrats and Republicans, at least in, you know, Democrats and MAGA is communism versus uh, freedom and individual liberty. The Republican Party, I'm not a huge fan of Tucker, but he evidently blasted them tonight saying, what has the Republican Party done for you? They ain't doing anything to stop us from being handed over to the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization right now. Not a thing. And the Freedom Caucus basically said either pull us from the World Health Organization or clean up their corruption. That's not that's not a plan for me. Again, we have Andy Biggs and maybe two others that are actually stepping up. Right. So what else is happening down in Georgia is that Trump's um, backed candidate for governor, Purdue, failed. And Governor Kemp uh, has one. Re- he, he, you know, he f- uh, defeated Stacey Abrams years ago for governor. Uh, then she continued to claim that she was that she won the election. It was stolen from her. In fact, the new White House spokesperson, Corrine Jean-Pierre, continues to this to this day to have tweets up that the election was stolen. Um, of course, if you claim that about November 2020, you know, you can find you might find yourself in a gulag. Um, so she, Stacey Abrams, has um, secured the Democrat primary for that on top of the fact that she said that Georgia was the worst place to live in. But then she corrected herself. Do we have the clip from Stacey Abrams? Um, we do. Uh, let's play that. Republicans have had a field day with your comment about this is the worst state to live in. Was that a mistake? I had an inelegant delivery of a statement that I will keep making, and that is that <laughs> Brian Kemp is a failed governor who doesn't care about the people of Georgia. Yeah, you know what? Inelegant, inelegant. You were quite clear, lady, about how much you hate that state. And the interesting thing is Kemp did win. On the on the Republican side, those two, this is how messed up it is right now. Those two were in cahoots in allowing for the presidential election to be stolen from Donald J. Trump. I think it was this is not an indictment. The fact that Trump's guy, Purdue, uh, didn't win today is not an indictment of Trump and his and, and how strong his endorsements is, uh, are. I think Georgia's is he's right now. I think his record is 80 something to two. Or 80-something to three now. No, his record is still solid. The problem with Georgia is that he really didn't have – it's an indictment of Georgia voters, quite frankly, that – I'm getting the hiccup, excuse me. I'm trying to stop it from coming at the same time as talking. Um, The fact that either – the fact that Stacey Abrams and Kemp are running again as governors, one for the Democrat and one for the Republican Party, is, is an indictment of the voters in Georgia, quite frankly. Because and it's actually representative of the problem that we've got nationally, which is a uniparty system. I look down there and I think it's a uniparty run state 
And, you know, he probably didn't give a crap about, you know, what she said or her reasons for why it's the worst day. And it had nothing to, and her comments had nothing to do with Kemp. It had to do with the fact that um, the, the reality is, is the business friendly environment down there, the Republican state legislature that created an environment through their policies that has allowed that state to thrive and grow economically. Uh, she can't she can't run with with uh, doing anything any different because it would be stupid. Right. So the only thing she could do was come up with a laundry list of moronic comments that really didn't even have anything to do with Governor Kemp. Nothing. Right. The only thing the Democrats, they can't run on their economy. Right. Whether it's locally, she you know, she couldn't run on on, uh, you know, um, bashing the current policies in place because she knows that the Georgians like it. Right. I mean, you look at the African-Americans down there in Atlanta and how they're doing so much better than other southern states. So they can't they can't run in the economy there. Um, I don't think that Purdue was I, I don't really know who else Trump could have. The reason why he pulled Purdue up is he was well known in the state. He had name recognition. He'd run in the Senate runoff in January. He'd done strong re, choice. You know, he really didn't have anybody else. He didn't have anybody else to put for it. So it's it's an anomaly uh, down there. But so, at the end of the day, Andrew, no matter who wins with the GOP, now we're hearing the Democrats aren't even worried, but we're expecting this red wave. Well, that's how you see these comments from Nancy Pelosi. I do, let, to be honest. Let, let, let play the clip. Uh, history says the president loses seats after the, in, his, uh, in the off year. Well, the president gained seats in the on year. This president did not, but he won the election. He helped us hold the House. We helped him win the election. And those of, of our candidates or our members who won in a... Um, with Trump on the ballot and one in the Trump districts are pretty strong shape. But we want more. We want more. We have to offset uh, some changes, but we want more. I, I feel I have absolutely no intention of us losing this election. We'll win it one election at a time. We own the ground with our mobilization. We'll have a non-menacing message that is progressive and bold, but non-menacing. And we'll have the <laughs> money to do so. They'll have endless money. We'll have enough and we will win. And, and I, I am, it, it's absolutely essential for our country. Our democracy is on the ballot. Our freedom is on the ballot. You know, it's, it's, it, you're, it's always telling. Everything they say is projection. Whatever they're accusing the Republicans of is what they're guilty of. And when she's talking about we'll have a non-menacing message, what an odd choice of words. Right. And then she wraps with this, our democracy is on the ballot. Yeah, it is. And you are menacing, and the Democrat Party is menacing, and the American people know good and dang well who is a threat to the democracy, who is a threat to our freedoms, who is a threat to our, to our economic conditions. For her to have any confidence, you're right. She talks here about um, we, we own the ground. Yeah, they do. And we better have a plan for it because right now they're using, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I see a lot of coasting going on. I, well, not only that, but if you if you look at as we're going into the midterms, one of the reasons why she could be confident is the clip we just played with Bill Gates talking about, you know, we need to be able to diagnose an entire population and can diagnose an entire population in a month. What are they going to do with that diagnosis? What are they going to do with that diagnosis combined with the World Health Organization that now has control over calling the shots with lockdowns? No matter who wins. Or 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 leading up to the midterms. How might they control the outcome of the midterms with that action in play? Right. With the monkeypox, the technology there, their goal to be able to know what's going on under our skin, to be able to track us and every movement that that we do. 
they don't that in and of itself gives them the opportunity to own the elections and they know that they can't win on their they on their agenda so they have to do something like that in order to get it in fact i want to play this clip from from kennedy uh my man kennedy out of louisiana he what he says here is so perfect in terms of what their agenda is and what their success is and what and, and what's going on with the american people inflation here's what the american people see uh, President Biden gave Americans three $600 stimulus checks. And then, for his next trick, he crashed their 401ks and increased their gasoline bills by $800, their food bills by, by $3,000, and their rent by $2,000 a month. Now, unless you have untreated mental illness, you know that is not a good trade. Right. It's kind of menacing. That's kind of a menacing message, right? But they said they were going to have that. Yeah. So you got that going on. You know the American people are not, uh, for the most part, mentally ill enough to think that that's a good trade. And you better have a plan of controlling the population through the public health guys in order to secure and maintain your control in terms of the government. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got more to talk about. So don't y'all go away. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Speaking of elections, we've got somebody who's running for uh, Congress, uh, actually running uh, for Senate to replace Alex Padilla. Here in the state of California coming up and we want to we always like to encourage people to run for office. And so uh, you'll get to meet John Ellist in a little bit. Um, and, and like I said, we, we like people because, you know, it's one thing to sit here and complain. But how many people actually are out there doing something about it? One of the things that we need to be doing is getting on the phone with every congressperson who's elected for office uh, every, every congressperson, every senator, and ask them what the heck are they doing? Why are they not screaming loudly? And what the freedom about this World Health Organization plan is, and it's not acceptable that the Republicans' plan is to um, say, well, either pull us from it or clean up the corruption. No, that that's is not, not far enough. There is no possibility of cleaning up the corruption. And because it's not even about corruption, it's about communism. And it's about our freedoms individually. Here's, a, you know, before the break, we were playing that funny clip from... Uh, Kennedy out of Louisiana saying, unless you've got mental, you know, mental health issues, uh, the trade-off between these checks that they printed money to send out for COVID relief and now the uh, $800 extra you're spending on gas every month and rent and food prices, et cetera, uh, the American people aren't mentally ill enough to think that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. In, in addition to um, that bad trade-off, what else do we get? What other kind of trade-off do we get that's involved with the COVID relief money? How about this? How about under Joe Biden's um, how did, what did he call it? America's Rescue Plan. Nicole Hannah Jones, the quote non-historian behind the 1619 project, is going to be receiving, uh, $10,000 in speaking fees paid for by the coronavirus relief funds. She's going to be speaking at the Maplewood Library, that which is one of 200 libraries in, in the country, to receive a grant, quote, for libraries affected by the pandemic from the American Library Association's American Rescue Plan. Did uh, Spending money on speaking fees into libraries, is this anybody's idea of rescuing America? 
This just goes to show you that that was every bit. All it was was an income redistribution scheme. It was a communist plan. How can we take over control of America's culture, its industries, its businesses, its lives, its students, everybody? Shut down a business, take your job away from you, even if you're healthy, shove you in your homes, print out money, send it to you, send it to crap weasel communists like this, send it to Plump Jack, Gavin Newsom's company, his winery and restaurant up there. Great wine, by the way. Used to be anyway, before I knew he was behind it. Yeah. $30 trillion in debt. You think these people care about your health? Oh, and by the way, Stacey Abrams, the one, you know, um, who won the Democrat primary, uh, the one who was going around talking about how Georgia is the worst place to live in. Uh, the woman was buried in debt years ago, and now she's she owns two homes, right? Same woman who, uh, you know, she said she spoke inelegantly. In um, same kind of excuse she used for when she went to a school and all the kids were sitting there miserable in masks and she didn't have her mask on. and She was the one person in the room who needed to have it on. Absolutely insane. Um, let's see what do we want to talk about now we want to talk about the baby shortages should we talk about the baby shortages yeah let's talk about the baby formula shortage because while the Dems tonight are are exploiting the deaths of, of children in Texas let's talk about the children that they left with no food except American citizens, baby. I mean, the illegal babies, the the illegal kids came across the border and were brought across the border. They got baby formula, but not the American citizens formula. Well, here's what Nancy Pelosi uh, had to say today, who Nancy Pelosi blamed for uh, baby formula shortages. Please play clip uh, two. You see the chairman of the, or whether it's CEO of his chairman of Abbott apologizing for Mm -hmm. that. We have to find out. I mean, look, another five, a baby cries. We don't have food. Come on. That's That's just as bad as it gets. This is bad. It hits his home as deeply as possible. But we did pass last week two bills, one that overwhelmingly passed bipartisan in terms of, uh, again, uh, setting us on a course that that cannot happen again. But the other to have the money, 20 some million with an M, million Mm -hmm. dollars to help uh, um, facilitate baby food uh, formula getting to families, and the Republicans all voted against it. How do you vote against a few, some million dollars for baby food? I uh, know. Formula. I know. How do you do that? I don't uh, get it. Just, just, uh, but, but consistent. When we did the bill to reduce from three to six hundred dollars uh, per month for uh, insulin, only twelve Republicans in the House voted for the bill. There you go. So understand the challenge that we have, always trying to find common ground because it's for the people, for the children. Um, Good on those that didn't vote for that. Why in the world would they be spending millions of dollars on baby formula? There's no need to spend money on baby formula. What was that? What was that money supposed to be used for? We're thirty trillion dollars in debt. You're going to write a check to for what? Here's the real problem that's gone on. They manufacture a crisis and then they act as though spending money and throwing money somehow, some way at at, at an undetermined. I mean, she doesn't even explain what's this money supposed to go for. That plant was shut down. They don't need money to reopen. They just need to reopen. Right. There's no need to spend 20 million dollars. It's just a way to try to scapegoat the Republican and try to expand their spending. 
Which, it's just like the Keystone Pipeline with the gas. They know the solution, but they won't do it. Right. Or it's like, and it's always about spending money, and the money never goes to the intended the, the intended place, right? It's like California with the gas tax. The money never goes to highways or bridges or anything that it's supposed to go for. The reality is, and this is according to an article here from Newsmax, is that what really caused the, the baby formula crisis is decades in the making. One of the first things I asked is, why are we in a situation to where one plant gets shut down and we don't have any baby formula? How are we in that situation? We are the greatest, uh, we are the country uh, historically with the greatest level of innovation and technology creation in the world. Well, it's because the Democrats, with a Republican enabling them, have put us in a position to where companies can't afford to manufacture. The cost of manufacturing, the cost of labor, the cost of taxation regulation makes it impossible for businesses to start and grow. Then you add in, that's one aspect of it, and then you add in onerous safety rules, the worst in the nation. I mean, they look at what they did. They shut down this plant, one of only four operating in the U.S., when the plant didn't even show a trace of the bacteria that supposedly killed two babies. Does that make sense to you? Does it make sense to anybody? And how does throwing $20 million solve that problem? The article goes on to talk about tariffs, right? Tariffs on importing uh, dairy products. We shouldn't have to import dairy products, but if we do, because this is what we've done. When you when you when you diminish farming, when you take away farming, you make it impossible for people to farm. When you make it impossible for manufacturing to start jobs and grow jobs, you have to import. One of the things that Trump did that was so fantastic was he actually started putting us on a pace of creating jobs again, creating manufacturing jobs, expanding manufacturing, expanding research and development, all things that increase the supply of goods and services in a country. Then you add in what they did to our energy supply. It makes it even harder to transport goods and services, to produce goods and services. So they created, and our, at the United States government, policies and, and, and regulations created this crisis. And the solution is not to throw $20 million at it. And of course, they're going to blame Republicans because the Democrats can never accept any responsibility. And we can only hope that the American people are wising up, and they are. Senator Kennedy was absolutely right in talking about how the, 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 there's not enough mentally ill Americans that actually buy into what the Biden administration has done here. Nor do they buy in to Joe Biden's comments uh, about, um, you know, um, praising the increase in gas prices. Let's play uh, the clip uh, for Biden on gas, please. And when it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less relying on fossil fuels when this is over. There are some experts even predicting that we might have, uh, 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 as we're going into summer, a lot of blackouts because we're not going to have enough energy in addition to, to running out of diesel fuel. And according to Biden, y'all just need to think of that as a really good thing. And maybe we're going to be running out because of all the fat cats using it to fly their private jets maybe it'll over be to just Davos. Like not owning anything, Andrew. We're going to like it. Right. What's that? What's um, thank you, sir? May I have another? Is that the scene from Animal House when they're getting when they're getting hazed? <laughs> you never see that movie anymore, right? Democrats have killed comedy. You think of all the great movies you don't it's see so anymore. True. Animal House used to play all like on a regular basis. You're flicking channels on cable, and there's Flounder, right? May we dance with yo dates? One of my favorite scenes. What's your favorite scene from Animal House? <laughs> the, the horse. <laughs> the horse that's a pretty good the one. horse scene's really good 
<laughs> so many good scenes in Animal House. You know, we've just we've lost our sense of humor as a nation. Now, now there's so, a decent did, comedian can't even go up there and tell a joke anymore. Right. And Ricky Gervais isn't isn't Netflix going after him? For, they are. What, what's that story? Yes, he made some some comments about trans people, and they did. The community did not like that. Well, too bad. I don't like blonde jokes either, but you know what? Actually, I do. I get a laugh. Right? All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to introduce you to somebody here in California who's running for Senate. His name is John Ellist. And you'll meet him when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. What, what non-politically correct movie do you like? I like Animal House. 888-344-1170. <laughs> The Answer, San Diego, streaming now on iHeart.com and Odyssey.com. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Now, after the break, we're going to be talking about, somehow we got off on the subject about <laughs> politically incorrect movies and how comedy is dying off because it's just not politically correct. One of my favorite movies is that you never see anymore, and I think because it's so naughty, is Animal House. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. We've already had some people calling. We, we can't take your calls right now because we're going to be speaking in a moment to John Ellis, who's running for office here. But if you want to weigh in on that very important topic, what your favorite non-politically correct comedy movie is, 888-344-1170. And we're going to discuss that after this next break because we, we want to end the show on something positive and fun. Um, because we're sad tonight over what happened in Texas. Okay. So John Ellis is, um, Running to um, defeat uh, incumbent Senator Alex Padilla, and he describes himself as an outsider, entrepreneur, and successful businessman, all things that I love. And he says he brings a fresh perspective that is desperately needed in California and Washington, D.C., and he joins me now. Hello, John Ellis. Thank you for being here on tonight's Andrea K. Show. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so I'm fascinated by your story um, that your dad uh, left Iran. Was was that before? I'm not sure if that's before or after the Shah fell, and um, and it, but it was because of his Jewish faith, which is fascinating. And y'all ended up out here in the United States, and you were all able to pursue the American dream, and now here you are. I, I love that story. Tell us about it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, both of my parents actually left Iran around the time of the revolution. My dad left in 76 before the Shah fell. He came to the United States to pursue his residency. He's a physician. Mm. And my mom's family decided to stay after the revolution, thinking that this you know, this whole thing would blow over. Oh, dear. Okay. And it only got worse. And they had to escape overnight into Pakistan. It was <gasps> a really traumatic story. Ooh, that's like that movie. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Not Without My Daughter, with Sally Field. I don't know if you saw that movie. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was insane. When I hear the stories, it just gives me goosebumps every time. Yeah. Uh, they eventually made their way uh, to the U.S., I believe, in 82. Um, and then uh, I was born and raised in California. And at the time, I mean, immigrants were always attracted to California in mm-hmm. particular within the U.S. because it was seen as the, the land of golden opportunity to, to start a business, start a family. It's just a great place to live. 
Well, yeah, and if you've been here since 82, you've seen a whole lot change in California. You've seen our schools go from being some of the best in the in the world to pretty much down there at the bottom. Um, we've got homelessness just absolutely, it's like one statewide hobo jungle practically and getting worse by the day. We've got a crime wave going on. Um, we've got our, our just... Um, economically i mean the average cost of a home now in san diego is a million dollars you can't afford to buy a home here unless you you, unless you had one unless you bought one back in the 80s and you were able to sell that and buy something i mean so it's hard to even it it, it used to be the golden state the state where the majority of people could if they could get to this country could be able to achieve the american dream and now it's gone so uh, why are you running for office and, and what would you do if you if you won your seat you actually described exactly why I'm running, because the California of today is nothing like the California I grew up in. It's exactly every area that you hit on. Gas prices are out of control. Inflation is out of control. Affordable housing is a, uh, it's an oxymoron at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, crime is out of control. Homelessness is out of control. And what really hit me was when my wife and I had our two daughters, and I'm thinking to myself, where on earth am I going to send them for school? Because really there's no refuge, whether you send them to public school, charter school, a private school, uh, the the curriculum has just been invaded by these crazy ideas. And so uh, what I'm hoping to do as a senator is to start to bring some balance back to the state and to have parents have a voice, to have business uh, people, entrepreneurs, especially small, medium sized, to have an advocate for them, to have taxpayers in general just have an advocate for them. Uh, and we haven't been seeing that. And uh, the result is we just keep pouring resources, wasting resources year after year, and the problems only seem to get worse. So this is the new kind of perspective that we need. <sighs> Running for office is not an easy thing to do. Um, as you gain more and more um, particularly in California, if you if you have any kind of conservative perspective, you're labeled as a bigot. You're labeled as you you know if you want to enforce immigration laws, you hate brown people. If you if you want to lower taxation or minimize entitlement programs in some way, you hate poor people, right? If you don't want to go if you don't want to go along with whatever crazy curriculum is going on in the schools, you know you're another kind of a, a, of a bigot. Um, are you prepared for that as your as your um, name recognition increases? I'm 100 percent prepared for that. And if anything, it shows how empty their ideas are because they've constantly been falling back on just attacking anybody that questions their ways. Um, and what's amazing about this cycle more than any other cycle is that folks in California are starting to wake up. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times people who that have voted Democrat all their lives are coming up to me saying, Everything you're saying makes sense, right? Having a secure border is not a partisan issue, or at least it shouldn't be a partisan Mm-mm. issue. Right? If you believe in the concept of a country, we have to have a secure border. Or the idea of having crime reduction or voter ID when you're uh, casting a ballot. I mean, these are all common sense ideas that have just been uh, destroyed by the left as exactly what you said, racist, crazy. Uh, this is why comedy has died as well. You know, the the... the Oh, uh, do you have do you have a politically incorrect movie you're willing to admit that you like to watch, John Ellis? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I got to think about that. Yeah, you don't have to uh, admit it. You don't have to admit you like my movie Animal House. That's okay. <laughs> Go on. But you know what? I enjoy a good laugh. And and right now, the left, all they do is just attack with these ad hominem attacks of 
you're a racist, you're a bigot, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what's fascinating and hopefully very useful about my story is that I have that immigrant background. I have the, I, I lived in Latin America for a year. I speak fluent Spanish. I can't wait to continue having those conversations with the Hispanic community because they're affected by crime also. They're affected by inflation as well. They're affected by terrible educational outcomes. Well, yeah, in fact, uh, right so now. Um, exactly the same. Yeah, because right now I think they're, they're, they are the community right now that the Biden and the Democrats have the lowest polling with the Hispanic community than any other. They're at 26%. And, it's, and I think if the Republican Party has just failed to reach out to the Hispanic community. Um, now, clearly we know that many coming here from uh, Latin American countries are actually more of a natural Democrat voting bloc because they, you know, they don't, you know, aren't coming here with means. Many of them aren't coming here with an education, the ability to speak the language. So they're going to need an entitlement, you know, program to survive. That's why, the, let's be honest, that's why the Democrats want to bring them here. But friends of mine that immigrated this country legally, that are entrepreneurs, business owners, like I think 60% of businesses, small businesses in Chula Vista were wiped out, owned by minority uh, population, wiped out with these COVID restrictions. And they're not about these communist, you know, crackdowns for under COVID. They're not about all these, you know, far left CRT teaching in schools kind of stuff. And where the Republican Party just hasn't reached out enough to them. Do you agree? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And that's the opportunity of this cycle, because people have just opened up their eyes for the first time and said, wow, we're losing our freedoms. We're losing our way of life because we've been asleep at the wheel and supporting this one party system in the state for far too long. Um, and that that's really what got me excited about getting into this race in the first place, be, just because of that. And it's what, what's really scary is when you come from an immigrant community that left a tyrannical regime like Iran, you know, you start to see the, 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 the beginnings mm-hmm. of that sort of tyranny. I mean, nobody should be supportive of a one party state. Uh, we should have some level of balance. And it's time for the Republican Party, for conservatives, common sense conservatives to step up and have their voices heard. And yes, we're going to be met with tons of attacks and all kinds of nonsense. That's the way it is. But we know that we have truth on our side. Now, speaking of truth, um, you know, one of the things, you know, I find when I have Republicans on my show, they're all willing to say we need to. Uh, they all tend to agree on the economic, uh, you know, aspects of situations. There might be a little bit of difference in terms of taxation and regulation and approaches, but primarily all Republicans agree with lower taxation and regulation. And um, what what I find that the Republican Party has really missed is the cultural wars, because, um, for example, Arnold Schwarzenegger ran as being fiscally conservative and socially liberal, but it's the social uh, the social cultural liberalism that's killing us economically because it's tied to the transformation of the United States of America from being a, a, a republic of states to a communist society. The cultural Marxist movement is destroying the fabric of our nation, and they're doing it through our children. And I'm looking for somebody who's going to run for office, whether it's governor level, Congress, local, that's going to stand up for kids and say, you're going to stop trying to transition to recruit kids into transgenderism. You're not going to be putting them on puberty blockers, nor are you also going to be seizing control of all of our lives and forcing these COVID, you know, crackdowns and controls on us. Where do you stand on those two issues? So one of the main areas that I'm focusing on is what is being taught in schools. This is the part that scares me. When I think about what our two daughters are going to be seeing in their curriculum, And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've lost all accountability in the schools. The teachers unions have taken over to the Mm -hmm. point where you can't get rid of a bad apple 
And we've all known that educational outcomes have gotten worse and worse because of that kind of protection of those bad apples. But it's gotten much worse over the past few years Mm -hmm. where they're now introducing all those new concepts. And because we don't have that accountability in the schools, it's very difficult for us to push back and say, no, this is not acceptable. And that's why you have folks that are running for governor, for example, in Virginia saying, yeah, teachers have every right to teach whatever they want. Parents don't have a seat at the table. This is where I can really make a mark as a senator because there is $9 billion of funding that comes from the federal government every year to California schools. And we can use that as an opportunity to say, you know what, if you want this money, parents have to have a seat at the table. They have to have the ability to veto any new curriculum and major curriculum changes that are happening. And more than that, we have to have transparency. My wife and I shouldn't be finding out through some WhatsApp group that this book is being introduced in school or that this new lesson plan is being taught. That has to be discussed up front. And the teachers and the administrators have to have the consent of the parents before that ever happens. So I'm very, very much supportive of that because I'm convinced that if parents have a seat at the table, we'll bring back the basics of, you know, what should be taught, math, science, et cetera, not, you know, these agendas. Um, The um, Biden administration put forth amendments to hand over our health and our choices for our health and actually our entire United States sovereignty over to the World Health, Health Organization under the guise of, um, them being able to put us back under COVID crackdown and lockdowns any chance they get. Where do you stand on all those COVID restrictions and and what would you do? And, and are you against the World Health Organization being able to take over our sovereignty? So I am very much aligned with common sense conservatives on these issues. I have seen how businesses were decimated by the uh, the the designation of essential versus non-essential or, oh, we're not sure, but we're going to put you in a limbo and, and those sorts of things. That There are a lot of small businesses to this day that have not been able to get back on their feet because of those restrictions. Mm-hmm. I think we've now reached a phase where it's become abundantly clear that people have to be able to choose. They have to have the freedom to choose. Um, So I am very, very skeptical of any sort of restrictions or any sort of impositions on our freedoms as citizens of this country. In in terms of the World Health Organization, I have been following their inability to call out uh, China for their role in the COVID-19 pandemic. And the fact that they are beholden or, you know, whatever the situation is over there uh, to what happened in China, that's the part that gets me. Um, So I am very much uh, someone who believes in the power of the United States. I very much believe in our sovereignty as a country. If the World Health Organization wants to put out guidance, guidelines or, you know, share information, great, fantastic. But the United States at the end of the day, and every country for that matter, has to be able to make their own decisions and determine their own destiny. Well, John Ellis, I thank you for being here tonight. I'm loving everything you're putting out there. And by the way, looking at pictures of your family, that is one gorgeous wife and two little girls you've got there. Yeah, just absolutely stunning. Thank you for being here. Tell everybody how they can support your campaign. Absolutely. So the website is ellistforsenate.com, E-L-I-S-T-F-O-R, senate.com. And uh, I look forward to uh, uh, meeting everyone through through the course of the campaign. All right. Thank you for being here. Take good care.
Thank you so much. All right. Now, y'all stay tuned. Coming back, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to talk about our favorite politically incorrect movies. One of my favorites. I'm not sure it's my all-time favorite. Right now, it's the one at the top of my mind, Animal House. What's yours? 888-344-1170. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer, San Diego. AK, Dynamite in the Dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her. Don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Okay, so early we started talking about, um, I don't know how we got on this movie, how I started talking about Animal House. I don't either. <laughs> I don't know how I got on that, but I just missed that movie. I don't have a copy of it. Who watches DVDs anymore? And it used I to do. come, it used to come on, on TV on a regular basis. It was so hilarious. And, and so, it, you know, in addition to comedians not being able to go up on a stage without being, you know, attacked, it's like some of our classic movies. They're not even playing on TV anymore. Yeah, I answer. I have all all my favorite movies I have on DVD, AK. Okay, so what is your favorite? Right my now, favorite I'm going to say Animal is, House. is uh, an oldie but a goodie from uh, 1979 starring Gene Wilder, one of my favorite actors, and Harrison Ford, the Frisco Kid. Dude, I've never even heard of that movie. Why? Picture How this. can you come up with Picture something this real so quick, obscure? Out of time, a Polish rabbi wandering through the Old West on his way to lead a synagogue in good old San Francisco. <laughs> and on the way, he's nearly burned at the stake by Native Americans and killed by outlaws. I think that um, I think that Richard Pryor was he in that? No, Harrison Ford's in Harrison that as well. Ford, the chemistry no. between him and Wilder is outstanding. I think that Gene Wilder and um, and Richard Pryor, or Richard Pryor and somebody else, did did some better some better politically incorrect movies. I'm not aware. I'm telling you, you, you would love this one. The Frisco Kid. Never heard of it. Check it out. Never heard of it. Uh, you know, I, I I guess evidently, what's the movie to where they're um, eating beans and sitting around the campfire? That movie they don't play that anymore. Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, which That's is a- disaffected Mike's favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had called in. <coughs> what? In, I, I have. I've only seen Blazing Saddles once in my life. I was a kid when I saw it. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why that's politically incorrect. Why you cannot play that movie? All anymore. I'm going to tell you is rewatch the movie. Trust is it, me. Is it you'll because enjoy they, it more. Is it because they have gas around the campfire? Is that now you can't have movies? Apparently with, not. <laughs> apparently <laughs> is not. that what it is? That's not, it's not good for climate change, Andrea. Okay, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Now, I get, I guess for Animal House, I guess, um, I'm not really sure why. Is it that fraternities, uh, you know, and they're, they're being stupid and drinking to Bluto and smashing, you know, pastries in his face? I mean, is that why Animal House doesn't play anymore? Apparently, Democrats don't like to laugh. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's just, I'm, I'm sure there's some out there that like to, but. Well, they want to control everything, you know. Um, Bill Maher is still allowed to make some jokes for some reason. Um, he's managed to be able to. He recently made some comments about uh, transit kids, LBGT kids, and saying, "Look, you can't." For some reason, when you've got a, an increase uh, of in California of trans kids, but not Ohio, it's because it's trendy. It's not because it's natural, and they still got him on the air. Although that's not necessarily a comedy riff, anyway. All right. Glad to have you guys with me. Thanks, you listeners. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's hump day. Prayers for Texas. We love you down there. We're praying for all of you. We'll see you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.